Welcome to Transparency with Diana B, a podcast from wealthmanagement.com focused on advisors' personal well-being and healing. In this podcast, we explore some of the deepest struggles and hardships that many advisors face and bring these issues out into the open so that others may find healing. Join us for this journey where we explore ways to overcome the stresses and anxieties as Diana draws from years of expertise and guest experts to manage the personal challenges of advisors. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Transparency with Diana B, a podcast by WealthManagement.com. My name is Diana Britton, and I'm the managing editor of of WealthManagement.com. For those of you who are new to the podcast, each episode focuses on a personal development issue facing financial advisors. Guests join me to talk about their own experiences dealing with the struggle, what they went through, and sort of how they found healing, how they got through that. The hope is that other people who might be in similar situations will find support and healing here on this podcast. Um, my guest today is Layla Pence. She's the president of Pence Wealth Management, a registered investment advisory firm in Newport Beach, California, that she's grown to about $1.5 billion in client assets. Layla was raised in a mansion on the Suez Canal in Egypt, but she had to flee the country when Israel attacked her family's home during the Six-Day War. She went from not knowing the language in America. She came to New York initially. She was making ends meet by selling hot dogs on the Staten Island Ferry. And now she's running a sizable advisory firm. She's number four on the Forbes Women's Advisor list in Southern California. She's number one advisor for the second year in a row among both men and women advisors. And she's also in the Hall of Fame for Barron's which means she was ranked in the top 100 advisors in Barron's for the last 10 years. She's just got an incredible story of overcoming adversity. Layla, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me beyond. Yeah, so let's start by telling me about your life in Egypt before the war. You had a pretty cushy life growing up, right? I did. I did. My my dad was a president of a bank, and we had a beautiful mansion just one block away from the Suez Canal. I, I'm my youngest of four daughters, and we all went to French school, and we had an amazing life. We had a chauffeur. We had a gardener. We had trees, and it was an amazing, amazing life that really was gone in a day. And yeah. as a nine-year-old, that was really hard to to ever believe that would happen. And I remember very well, you know, sitting in the veranda, having breakfast with my family and hearing the sirens and not knowing what that is at a nine years old, but that was a siren of basically warning that there was air raids. And so mm-hmm. that was quite a shock. We left the, the house for a while and then came back to get some of our belongings and so forth. And while we're back, we hear a siren again and, uh, you know, the sound. And so my dad kept saying, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I was actually in my room getting my clothing and all that. And he just rushed us to get out. We got into the car. Just when we're turning the corner, we hear the bomb. Boom. And oh gosh! And that was the bomb that hit. And it actually hit in the room I was in. And mm. I really saw my childhood gone in the rear view window of this car and it was quite wow. dramatic. The family had to split apart to live in different places. And uh, that's when my dad decided that we should maybe have a better life 
moving here in the United States. That's what we did. What was the conflict about uh, briefly? I mean, it was Israel. Right. right? I just wonder if you could yeah, give so, us a little background about that. So basically, in, in the Six-Day War, the Arab world decided that they should invade Israel, thinking that it's a weak country. And so different Arab countries decided but they to invade Israel. And Israel, with the back of the United States, was a lot stronger. And within six days, they moved and took over the whole Sinai. And basically, I used to swim across the Suez Canal, just to tell you how narrow that is. Yeah. And that's that's how far Israel came. And so... They basically, you know, Egypt had Russian-made equipment and that were outdated, and they just lost very, very quickly within six days. Mm. And so, when you, when you, you and your family left there, uh, what happened? How did you eventually get to the U.S.? Because I know you, you came to New York initially, and you were just with your mom, right? And your your dad and the rest of your family stayed behind. Yeah. Right. So. My my three sisters were a lot older than me, and they, my uh, uh, older sisters were already married, so they stayed behind. So it was just me, my mother, and my dad. That we we my dad had a friend in New York. He said, you know, you're president of a bank, you can be a, easily a banker here in the United States. So he helped him get a visa, and just a month before we were, the three of us were supposed to come to United States, my dad fell and broke his leg in many places. So we had to make a decision. Our visa was going to run out. So we decided just me and my mother, who neither of us spoke in English, we had absolutely no family here. Just the only Mm -hmm. family friend we had with this couple that helped my dad get the visa. So we came to Staten Island. And I remember very well, it was in in January and it was extremely cold. And, and you, you know, when you're growing up, you you think that America, the streets are going to be paved with gold. And you right. come here and I couldn't, you know, with the cold weather, I don't have the right clothing. I don't, you know, I couldn't feel my ears and my toes. I had to take two buses to go to school. And mm. we, you know, my dad took a whole lot longer to heal. So we couldn't stay with these friends for very long. So we had to go and rent a room with, a, a, you know, in an apartment with a, Puerto Rican family. And I remember very well my mother crying every single night. Oh, gosh. Because thinking, you know, what, what have we done? You yeah. know, how can we have left there? And, you know, the language and and the cold and just all of a sudden you have nobody. And, you know, back then there was no cell phones. There was no telephone. It would cost like $30 to make a call to Egypt. So we never called. So, right. you know, you're completely isolated from everything. And Mm. And you put in, there was no such thing as you know, Arabic second language. So the good thing is that being from French schools, I did speak fluent French and I was an excellent student in all the math and everything else. So all I had to do is really concentrate on the language and to yeah. learn English. And uh, so that's what I did. And then we were lucky enough in through school, I met another Egyptian family, and they really helped us and, uh, you know, get the job on the Staten Island Ferry. So me and my mother both worked on the Staten Island Ferry selling hot dogs and knishes. 
So I would mm. I would finish high school. I would walk down to the ferry, and then we I would work for four hours because everyone that worked in Wall Street basically took the ferry. It was five cents to get on the ferry. That was the you know that's the transportation from everyone that lived in Staten Island. They take the the ferry to go home, and the minute they got on that, they were hungry, and they all came to the snack bar. And mm. I learned to be quick and to have customer service and and to really that was just the start of of you know very hard work because after that I had to also had to go home and study after taking the two buses to get home. Wow. Yeah, I mean I can imagine it's just you know, you're very brave for you know coming with your mother and and being separated from your father and not knowing the language and not knowing the culture and being so far from everything you knew. And I mean, being, you know, living here in New York, it can be very overwhelming here. Yeah. I was totally overwhelming. Uh, Just a whole new world. And and it's just not what you're expecting. Like I said, Mm -hmm. people think, you know, that everything here is easy and, and simple and, and that money grows on trees or something. I don't know. But it, yeah. it's a lot. It was a lot of hard work. The, the thing is that what I did find is that I did find that when you did ask for help, you did get help, and that if you really showed initiative, I mean, I was like the best employee at the at the ferry. They wanted to give me more hours because I was quick and I did the right. And I just felt, wow, okay, there is there is appreciation if you do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, so I know that um, you eventually you got into financial services. I wonder if you could tell us how you, you know, sort of went from selling hot dogs on the ferry to, you know, having a career and going to school in in the U.S. And also, you know, I mean, you you of all people know about financial security, right? Because it was sort of taken away from you with that war. Yes, I I think I think that's. You know, when you when you've lost everything, you learn to be fearless. Mm. You know, and that that was really an important thing. And what happened is, as as I finished high school, my dad finally came, and he could not stand the cold of New York City, and so and so, I decided to come to California with my family to go to UCLA because of the weather. And all through college, I continued to work as a waitress and help myself go through through school. And my last year of school, I met this gentleman that basically got me started in the business. He said I should, you know, he recruited me in the business. And I didn't know, I mean, I've always been interested in money. Even mm-hmm. as a waitress, I saved up money and, and, and bought a rental property. Even And so I was always interested in money and, and had a very good head on my shoulder with that. And he, he kind of noticed that. So he got me in the business and got me licensed and recruited me and and really was a, a mentor for me. But I had no idea that that would be my ultimate business. I just thought this was going to be a part-time job, just like I was doing. It was going to replace my waitressing that mm-hmm. I was doing after school. But then I really became very passionate about it and worked really hard. I mean, the one thing I can tell you, I worked evenings nights, weekends. I had to go see people when people were home. So when everybody else was off, that's when I worked. And I traveled to see clients, whatever they needed to. And matter of fact, I talk about my very first client who lived about in Corona. And 
And I went to see her in her house and she was an older lady. And I remember, you know, she gave me $20,000 at best. And for someone to trust me with $20,000 with their hard-earned money to invest, she says, hey, I don't want to be a bag lady. Just see if you can take this money and make some money yeah. for me. And I, I put her in a nice mutual fund. And, and that, that was the start. It's, someone's trusting you. Someone's saying, here, I'm going to trust you with that. And I, I remember not sleeping all night, just was so excited that my first client like that. Yeah, and then from there, it just, it really is, I, I always felt that I had to work twice as hard as everyone else to, because I wanted to excel. You know, when I, I wanted to be the best at what I do, if, 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 if a product, I knew it from A to Z. If, if it's a tax law, I, I could tell you about taxes. Uh, you know, they call me the tax whisperer. <laughs> you know, I, I really felt that that you know when you when you're an immigrant and you're a woman and English is your second language you have three strikes against you mm. and so but hard work and and really having a passion for yeah. what you do and having a passion for people to help people you can replace those three strikes with three positives and yeah so I guess how did you overcome those strikes though i mean obviously hard work but how did you motivate yourself and have the, a positive attitude to go out and do the work and to overcome these challenges what was sort of your mental i think state, I, had, I guess or, i had two two things i had an amazing mother that told me there's nothing i couldn't do and yeah. she pushed me and supported me in egypt if you have Four girls and no boys, that's a sin. Right. You have a boy in the family. <laughs> so I was her last hope at a boy. And, and I came 10 years later after my three sisters. But my mom really, she didn't want that to be a negative for me. So she always supported me and, and really said there wasn't anything I can do. And, and, and that helped. And then really having a good mentor, having a role mm. model. It's really mm-hmm. important that someone, that, you know, because you have to have someone that you can say, okay, if he can do it, I can do it. And here's how you do it. Someone shows you how to do it. Then you have kind of, okay, well, I can do that. And, yeah. and so there's a little more of a roadmap. So that really did help me those, those two things beside, of course, you know, the hard work. And I have been blessed with an amazing memory so I can remember things and but, you know, the most important thing is really, it's all about caring. I, mm. I, I've been brought up in a very caring environment with my family. And I know that that's the most important thing. We have a cup here that we give to our clients and says, people don't care what you know until they know you care. Mm. We make sure that every person in our team knows that. You know, one of the things we always say that everyone here must have a servant's heart. If you, we are here to serve our clients. And that's always been what I've, I've, I've always felt and instead of having yeah, basically a big ego and saying oh you're lucky to have me we just do the opposite we are so glad and we are servant you know people trust us with their money it's their most important thing we always have that servant heart and I think that's something that was built in me a long time ago and has helped me immensely overcome some of these things 
Yeah, I mean, you had so much on your shoulders, and I just really admire you for just being so brave through all this. And, you know, being a woman in this industry can is also a struggle from what I've heard. And, you know, especially having children, I know you have a daughter and I've talked to women in this industry about having kids and this can be really hard and just juggling it all and dealing with clients and, and what people are going to think about it. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I know you had some tough experiences there. Absolutely. So for the longest time, when I was pregnant, I kept buying bigger and bigger sizes, suits. Yeah. So I won't show that I was pregnant. Right. <laughs> so, and then finally, you can't hide it anymore. And then I remember very well when this one client that I did amazing work for found out I was pregnant. He flat out told me, I'm moving my account because you're not going to have time for me. You're going to be too busy being a mom. And so I'm, oh, I'm moving awful. your account. And I just cried all night long. Mm. I couldn't believe that after everything I've done and that this gentleman here is taking his account. And I kept thinking, oh my gosh, are other people going to do that? Are his clients just going to do that? Are they going to think that, are they going to penalize me for wanting to be a mother? Yeah. And and not look at all the things you know I've, I've done and how hard and so forth, and and that that was just even thinking about their experience, I get I get upset about it because it's one of those things that never leaves you, and so it actually made me want to work that much harder. And and I think one of the things that help that's really important is to have a support system. You can't do anything by yourself. You have to have a team and and you have to have a team whether it's in business or at home one of the, mm. the biggest things that I had is my mother and my family that helped me take care of my daughter because my daughter is, is the most important thing in my life beside my husband and my family so it, it's really important but the nice thing about this business it actually does give you more time to be there if it's a if it's a tennis game or or a performance or whatever, because you do have, it is your own business, and so right, absolutely you, you can spend the time with your family when you want to, and then means you have to work harder the next night and maybe work late to make up for it. But at least you can you can really have the time to take care of your family because it is a juggling. And my husband used to always say that you know that men can't multitask only women can and I, maybe that's true because we're born that way mm. but we really can multitask and that's so i think a woman actually if if you can have a support system could does so well in this business because uh, you can relate to other women what i find yeah. is that actually having after i've had this dramatic you know thinking that the whole world is coming to and then that people are going to move accounts that they're going to leave me and all those things I found that after I had my daughter Sarah that it actually gave me it always gave me something to talk about with the clients and and they saw how my face lit up talking about her and and I can relate to them and and I find that that people really related to me even more and it, I use it as a positive opposed to a negative and that's and that's how women really should look at that is that it's if you're able to to multitask and between having children and your work you could be so good at it because you have more empathy 
when dealing with people, you have more understanding and and people relate to you better. Yeah, I've really found that as a mother as well, just that people in general relate to you more and you know ask about your kids and want to talk about them and children are just wonderful. And I think as well, it helped me in, at my job just to be more efficient with my time and because time was limited for me and still is. And so when I'm in the office, I'm really more time, more efficient with my time and managing it better now that I'm mother. So I don't know if you found that as well. Yeah. I did. I did. I, I find that. And I do have a supportive husband as well who actually works with me. And, right. and that and again, you have to have, you have to be really good with your time because your time, time management is the most important thing, whether it's dealing with clients or, and having this balance. You know, when I first started in business, I had no balance. I worked and I studied. And now as a mother and so forth, I've learned to have more balance and between that. And it's, it's very doable. And I actually, I think women that could, have balance they really uh, usually are better leaders they're better advisors they're better ceos because they can they have they can multitask and do it well yeah but i i also think that just the struggles that you've gone through besides that have made you more more adept at doing your job and more 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 empathetic towards people right i mean, i'm just wondering if I you agree. could talk a little bit about that Yes. Because I, I find that people that have really struggled in life are some of the most successful people later on. Yes, definitely. The struggles and, you know, it makes me appreciate so much more and it makes me so much, it makes me humble. It makes me want to give back and because I've been there. I've been there where yeah. I had so much, lost it all, struggled so much, seeing my mother cry every night, having, I mean, you know, the, the struggles of having just someone even beginning in the business to trust you, to actually give you, you hear I'm this young person telling a, a client who's, uh, his kids and his grandkids are older than me, that I can do something with, with their funds. Having, getting someone to actually trust you because it's all about trust. The financial service is not about just the money business, it's the people's business. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and so to... Having all those experiences has made me a much better in as a people's business, and that's because you know everyone could tell you you know buy this, do this, and so forth. But it's it's the relationship you develop with people. It's really what allows your business to grow and and allow us to go from twenty thousand to the kind of assets that we manage now. It's really all because that personal touch, that the the all the issues that you've gone through that gave me all the experiences and to be able to deal with things today and have more empathy for other people. Yeah. And it really brings into focus the importance of financial advice and financial security, right? Just Absolutely. Your experience. Right. It's, it's, uh, you know, frankly, more divorces happen over money, more issues, more problems, everything. So if people, if I can help someone, have a better retirement, have provide for their children, for education, and for the state, then I've, I've made a difference in someone's life. And that gives me enormous amount of satisfaction. My team and I, we always call it the emotional paycheck. 
Mm. We always look for the emotional paycheck. That's mm-hmm. that's what we work for. It's that it's making a difference in someone's life. And so, yeah. Well, Leila, you know, part of this podcast is bring, hopefully bringing healing to other people by listening to your experiences. Do you have any advice for other people who might be struggling with similar issues, you know, coming to, you know, being pulled from their country or having to go to a new country and, you know, or being a woman in this industry, any sort of advice that you would give for overcoming those challenges? I think you need to go out and ask for help. There's so many people that are willing. There's so many support groups. You know, I, mm-hmm. I happen to have, to have met that Egyptian family that supported me in my worst, lowest point in my life. If I didn't have them, I, I don't know where I'd be today. It's really, and now whether it's a church or synagogue, whatever situation you're in, is really look, ask for help. Ask for help. Look for a role model. Look for someone, a mentor. People are willing to do. I have people that ask me to mentor them now, especially women, and I love doing that. I'm meeting tomorrow. But if you don't ask, people won't give it. And I, I think I was smart enough that I asked. And I, I believe that that's the one thing that helped me get to this point. And I really think that uh, some people, most people just, oh, they don't want to bother or or they try and do it on their own. But no one could do anything on their own. It's all about teamwork. And try and get a team. Try and get people. If someone says they doesn't want to help you, there's some others that will. Look for other people that have done these things and find someone that can help because they're, they're out there. I always, when I deal with charitable events and so forth, I always say, even with my clients, I try and get them to do all these donor advice funds and they're opening up charitable funds and so forth. And they didn't know that these things exist that helps them tax wise and helps them give to their charity. We are very big. One of the big things that we try and get our clients to do is to give back. No one's ever asked them to do it. No one told them how it could benefit them. It's the same thing with with people who are struggling, is they need to ask. People want to help if they're just asked. When people ask me to give, if they don't ask, I don't know how to give if I give them a donation or not. I need to be asked. And that is the one thing. If, if someone who's struggling, if they can just go ask for help, and then one person doesn't help out, ask a second person. There's so many organizations out there. There's so many people. There's so many, especially for women. Women, for the mm. very first time, are are getting women groups in our industry. And yeah. now there's women advisors that are willing. Women, other women advisors help women advisors. That wasn't there when I started. There's hardly any women in the business today. There is. Yeah. You know, there is right. so many more things. But you have to ask. You have to go out there and do it. It's not going to come knocking at your door. Yeah, that's a great word of wisdom. Well, we're just about out of time. I'd like to thank my guest, Layla Pence. Layla, thank you so much for being on the show and just for being so open about your experiences. It's been just incredible to hear. Thank you very much. I'm I'm honored to be on there and, and give whatever words of wisdom or a little bit of my experience. Um, like I said, I, I love giving back and I, you know, it's very important for people to help other people. And I'm just honored that you have me on. Well, I think you're going to help people from this as well. 
If you have a struggle and wish to share your experiences and help others in similar situations, please feel free to reach out to me at transparencywithdianab at gmail.com. I'd like to thank you for listening to Transparency with Diana B. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This is Diana Britton reminding you that where there is healing, there is hope. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Transparency with Diana B podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of wealthmanagement.com. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice. Always seek the advice of your healthcare provider with any questions you have regarding your particular situation.